Good morning and welcome. It is so nice to be here with you. I'm going to ask you to please picture in your mind a diminutive woman with an infant strapped high on her back with an old belt, wrapped in an old quilt. She was a good and proud woman, one who knew right from wrong. She was of poor Methodist stock who came to the Oklahoma Territory in a covered wagon with a deed for 27 acres of good bottomland just north of what would become Oklahoma City. So she'd grown up a farmer's daughter, obviously, working the land with her dad, and her job was to pull the stones out of that soil and stack them into a fence around the perimeter of that field. This woman knew hard work, and man, she did not shy from it. So in the fullness of time, she met a man. This man caught her attention. She thought he was good, but he turned out to be something different entirely. I could repeat the list of words that her parents used to describe him, but there's no need. You, you get where this is going. When it was all over, he had run off with what little money that they had. She had no wages, no house, no place to turn. All she had was her son. Now, there was a, a certain day when she woke up absolutely ravenous. She had nothing. But she didn't think about that. The only thing on her mind, the only thing was the cries, the wails of her child. So she knew what she had to do. She stepped toward Greenhaw's grocery, took a piece of bread for which she had no money, no money to pay. The cops came, of course, they knew her. It was a small community. Everybody knew everything about everyone else. And just imagine, this is mostly lost to us today, but just imagine a time when shame actually had an impact on a soul. Her shame, the shame of it all from beginning to end, almost too much to bear for her. So please hold this story of Alice in your mind until the end. So today, I want to welcome you as we continue our series that explores the Ten Commandments. They are part of a foundational life in Christ, even though they predate our Savior by some 1,600 years. Imagine that, 1,600 years before Christ. And because of that, they are worthy to be honored and held close in our walk with our Lord Christ. God gave those tablets to Moses upon Mount Sinai, graven with what we would come to call as the Ten Commandments, and frankly, none too soon given what the former slaves of Egypt were up to at the bottom of that mountain. Without Moses to keep an eye on them, man quick as a New Year's resolution fades, they reverted, the people of God reverted to their old ways of idolatry. 
You know the story. Taking all the gold in the camp, melting it down, casting a calf, worshiping the calf. The commandments came none too soon. So this cautionary history that we share spiritually is helpful because today we will explore the seventh commandment, do not steal. So theft is always a hard topic. To take the goods or services of another is to deprive them of the fruits of their own hard labor. Theft in any community is tragic. But when it happens in a poor community or in a part of a world where the living is hard, it's worse. So imagine the difficulty theft presented to a community within a nation created by God and dedicated to serving God. Think about that. For time immemorial, God allowed Israel to take into account the motives for people carrying off things owned by others. There were differences. So for the people who stole because that was just simply who they were inside and out, well, for them, the community merely applied the law given to the people of God, whether kidnapping and selling that person into slavery or just simple thievery. Man, the law provided a sharp correction. Then there were the people who pilfered the property of others by way of deceiving themselves. And this turns out to be a special sort of idolatry, right? Putting yourself above others. Thinking in your own mind that the thief deserved the items that they would not or refuse to purchase for themselves. You see, the, the Old Testament offered much the same range of punishments for that sort of thing, the difference being that judges actually had latitude in application of the law. And then finally, there were those who, man, undeniably, undeniably took that which did not belong to them, but for reasons of desperation. It was still a sin. But the act was nothing more than a failure of the community to, to care, really, to care for the least among them. Now, look, we could spend our time today talking about why theft is bad or why it's wrong to take big pins from work or why cheating on your taxes is actually stealing from the nation. But there's more to this. Isn't it fascinating that the old rabbis judged it a failure of the community if someone were caught stealing out of misery? So the answer to this is, again, back in our shared history. You see, in the beginning, God gave us life, created us to love our maker, work the land, and to care for others. Time and again, the Bible stories lead us to acknowledge that the people of God were intended to be dependent one upon the other. The community of faith eventually grew to understand the wisdom of this. For the most part, when people fall behind socially or economically, 
unpleasant and even dangerous behaviors crop up. A lack of life's essentials rarely imparts goodness into a community. But even so, God remained steadfast, gracious, and kind. By the time the Hebrew slaves became a nation themselves, God commanded that a portion of the fields be left unreaped. Further, farmers were to overlook the fruit that was dropped during the harvest, all with the intent of feeding those who were living on the edge of hunger, keeping them from illegal acts just to survive. People used to make allowances for each other. All this to preserve the dignity of God's people, rich or poor, to foster trust, to reinforce the wisdom that if all were cared for by the community, no one needs steal out of hopelessness. You see how this is supposed to work? Of course, it wasn't perfect. Sometimes wisdom alone isn't enough to stop people from sinning. Even though every Israelite knew about the prohibition against stealing, there were plenty of people who were on the wrong side of God's plan. We see them throughout the scriptures. Even Jesus alludes to this in the parable of the Good Samaritan. All right, so that was then. What about us today? Times change. Progress happens. The communities dotting the landscape, those that Jesus would have known, are gone now. We are far from being an agrarian society. It no longer rests upon the farmer to feed the needy from the fields. And we know there's been no cessation of the Ten Commandments for us. It's still a sin to steal though people still take things with such regularity that it's hardly news anymore. And despite this, I offer that it is the church that has replaced the form and function of the ancient communities created by God. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus tells the disciples that they will care for the people. Friends, church has a profound role to play in helping those who are overlooked, those who are in danger of participating in unlawful actions out of desperation. Even today, even today, and it's precisely here where we as St. Michael become the hands and feet of Christ by using our God-given charism to move out into the world to be that lifeline for people on the edge. When we love our neighbor as ourselves, we as a parish invite the power of the Spirit to flow through our ministries and people's lives are transformed and perhaps more importantly, protected. 
Do not steal actually turns out to be an opportunity for the people of God to be a, a hedge around the law, a blessed hedge around the law. As we tend to the needs of others, we as a parish get to play an important role in lowering the desperation in our communities by offering the necessities that keep the vulnerable away from our judicial dockets. Think about that. It gives us the opportunity to lift others as we have been lifted, forgive others as we have been forgiven, to look out for others so that they are not driven to desperate measures. As my grandmother, Alice, was. The church is always calling us to pray our way through the ministries we do individually. Who is being left out? And what are the consequences for our community? Let us reconsider the ministries that we have at St. Michael, our own ministries. Those ministries do so much more than merely feed and clothe the needy. They are closely tied to the commandments as to be virtually dependent one upon the other. If you are already serving at St. Michael, please consider going deeper. If you have not found your way to a ministry yet, please call me. Let us know. It is all of us, friends, working together that allows St. Michael to serve and save those on the margins.